Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. line does continue here on KMOX. We are currently efforting Nate Gatter. We hope to get him on the program in the next uh, few moments or so. If we don't get him on right now, we'll try to get him on maybe later on in the program. And you'll be hearing a lot of him this weekend because he'll be uh, anchoring the uh, Cardinals Radio Network pre- and post-game shows tomorrow and Sunday here on KMOX and across the Cardinal Radio Network. I wanted to talk with him about two separate things, which I don't fully understand. Uh, the first is the SEC preseason media football poll, and the second is the City SC player that was uh, just acquired today. And what do you know? We got him. We're going to go to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. You're going to hear a whole lot of this guy this weekend because he is uh, hosting on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network pre and post. But right now he joins us here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. He is Nate Gatter. Hi, Nate. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I am good. All right, you got to explain this to me. Why did Vanderbilt get eight first place votes in the uh, SEC football preseason media poll? I have no idea, and I'm, I, I don't understand how it's five. If it was one, it could be somebody who maybe shouldn't have a credential, just did it as a joke, right? Like, I have no idea. I mean, they have a lot of votes in these things now, right? There are like hundreds of people, I yeah. think, voting for these things. So presumably there could be some guy with a blog who got a credential to cover the media. I don't think it's super competitive to get a credential to cover this sort of thing. But five people is odd to me. And clearly, I mean, they still finished last in the overall poll. So it's not as though Vanderbilt is somehow getting buzz around the media days and all of a sudden a bunch of people are bumping them up to fourth or fifth and a few people got over exuberant. I don't understand. And to be honest, I think I wonder if you if this is the kind of press the SEC really doesn't want and uh, kind of makes a farce out of the whole thing. Not that media polls aren't already somewhat farcical to begin with, but uh, I, I wonder if this leads, we'll have to keep an eye on the overall number of votes, and I wonder if it drastically uh, is drastically reduced next year, if the number of people given credentials to cover the media days and the number of people given you know, VIP credentials to vote on in the media poll might be different starting next year. So the eight people who voted for Vanderbilt, they get a choice. They can either lose their vote and feature polls or they can be committed. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think either. And if they want to keep their vote, they have to publicly acknowledge it and take their, their thrashing in the, in the court of public opinion. I mean, that many people voting Vanderbilt over Georgia, I, that, you're right. I'm not trying to make too big of a deal. In the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. But stuff like this does frustrate me because this is supposed to be a big deal. And by those people voting Vanderbilt number one, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and it's um, right. Does it matter? Obviously not. 
at the same time, I do think if you're somebody who gets a credential to cover this sort of thing and they're entrusting you with your opinion to be involved in some part of the process, one could argue, like, as far as anything like this goes, voting on preseason polls, voting on MVPs, voting on, say, the Hall of Fame, those sorts, all-stars, those sorts of things, that those are some of your your most important duties as a media member as far as it relates to whatever happens on the field. Other than that, your duties are to your readers, your listeners, your consumers of your product. But so you have no generally no allegiance or, or no responsibility, no duty to the team or players you cover. This is a rare instance where you do. And, and I do think it sends a disrespectful message to the league, to the teams, ultimately to the players and coaches who are human beings uh, that, that you don't care enough to be, you know, honest and straightforward about how you're handling things, uh, which, you know, is this probably just some people thinking they're having a laugh and, it, you know, it's not a huge deal? Obviously, this is not going to have an impact on anybody's life. At the same time, I, I just think it's a, it's a bit silly, and I would imagine there are going to be consequences of some kind because I assume at least some people at the SEC have names to go with all these ballots, right? They're not being submitted anonymously with the internal people who put the poll together, I would assume. Uh, and if that's the case, I would imagine there will be consequences. Do you vote for you? You do Mizzou Broadcasting on SEC Network Plus. Do you have any votes for anything? I do not vote on anything. Uh, the only time I've ever voted on things uh, media-related were uh, in my baseball broadcasting work, both you know, voting on All-Stars and those sorts of things um in in college and then and then after college in in independent baseball and it was something that i think the broadcasters took seriously because we understood and that's you know it's different than a preseason poll right who gets to go to an all-star game is a big deal especially in independent baseball when players are trying to work their way back to the the affiliated ranks and see if a major league team would look at them and they're going to be a bunch of scouts at an independent league all-star game it is a big deal who's the last guy who makes that team and gets to play in that showcase versus who's the, the best guy who doesn't, if you will, does matter. And so I, I know fellow broadcasters took it quite seriously. Now that is obviously something that needs to be taken more seriously than a preseason poll, but it, it is to the extent that something can be disrespectful without really mattering, I think this checks that box. All right, let's uh, jump over to City SC. They make a little bit of news today as uh, they acquire, I want to get this right, Nukvi Torison. He is uh, an Icelandic attacking middle fielder playing kind of for a second tier league, but he was the leading scorer in Iceland in 2022 with 17 goals. Do do you make anything of this acquisition? I do in the sense that first of all, they're reportedly paying 600,000 euros for him, which is is around $670,000, which is not an insignificant transfer fee for an MLS team to, to pay, especially one with city's payroll and general economic philosophy to this point. It's not an insignificant uh, amount for them to spend, especially on a player who hasn't played in any sort of top European league or, or in any kind of top league, really. I mean, I, the top tier of Iceland is the only top tier league in which he has any experience, not to take away from the second tier in England, in uh, Belgium, rather, but, you know, that's that just not, he's not playing in the, in the top flight in the country. Um, he's also going to be 24 in August, which doesn't make him old, but it's also not like he's 18 or 19, and this is somebody they plan to develop for a couple of years and you know, see if they can turn him into a meaningful player. If you're bringing in a, guy, a 24-year-old, maybe they don't expect him to be a major contributor down the stretch. It might be sort of his legs are going to be useful to take some minutes off other players this season. But I would think this is a player they see as a meaningful contributor, maybe not a starter, but somebody who's going to be involved and, and a regular player for them as soon as next season and they only have him on a contract through 2025 
with a club option for 2026. So we're talking about essentially two full seasons with a club option for a third for a player who is in, especially for an attacking player, already coming into his prime years. Soccer, as compared to, to baseball, say, a player on the wrong side of 30 is already considered quite old. Right? I don't think many major leaguers, unless they're speed-based players, at age 31, 32, or 33 are already being considered old. They're going that direction. They're probably just over the peak, but they're still in their prime. For this guy, you know, and most players like him who play on the wing, those sort of speed-based attacking positions, the prime is generally going to be 25 to 28. So I expect this to be somebody in City's eyes who will contribute uh, as soon as next season, certainly. And I would imagine we'll see him on the field, at least here and there, in the run-in this year. All right, so here's a classic Matt Paul. He doesn't know anything about soccer question. Uh, in baseball, if you acquire a player in the middle of the season, they can kind of assimilate in very, very quickly. In football and in basketball, it's a little bit tougher. you got to learn the system. you got to learn the playbook, all that sort of stuff. When it comes to a soccer team adding a player in the middle of the season, what's it more uh, similar to in terms of their ability to assimilate to what's going on? I think it depends a little bit on the team and the coaching style and how that team plays. Ordinarily, I would say it's probably about halfway in the middle. In City's case, I think it's closer to football than it is to baseball because, especially for an attacking player, ordinarily for a winger, you might say, you know, you're kind of going up and down your side. Your job is to beat players off the dribble, maybe cut in, maybe supply some, some crosses, and, you know, that's going to be universal. And I think there is some of that that will, that will translate, especially if his primary role the last couple months of the season is going to be to do the running that's required in the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes of a game to take some minutes off other players' legs. He should still be able to do that, if not right away, within a few weeks. I would expect he'd be, he'd be serviceable in that kind of role, sort of how we've seen maybe Isak Jensen use to this point. I don't think it'll take a long time for him to assimilate and acclimate to the degree necessary to, to fill that role if necessary. But to, to be somebody who can play 90 minutes in a big game for City, you have to understand the press and how it works and, and the demands physically but also tactically of attacking players without the ball, playing against the ball. How are, how are you initiating that press and the responsibilities you have defensively when the opponent's defenders or defensive midfielders have the ball is relatively complicated compared to what most teams are going to do. It's relatively demanding, and it takes time. It's one of the reasons it was so important to Lutz Fannenstiel and, and the rest of the brain trust at the club to get even big-name players in last year with City 2 and to be able to train with the team, which was at significant expense, right? They were paying some guys seven-figure salaries for upwards of half a year before they were ever going to take the field in MLS, some of them close to an entire calendar year. That's a substantial expense to, to just try to get guys acclimated, both to St. Louis and life in the U.S. and the club and all of that sort of thing, and also to the style of play and the physical and especially mental and tactical demands that are required of those players. So I, I think the, the short answer is it's going to take time, and I wouldn't expect him to make a dramatic impact really at any point between now and the end of the season. I think it's more realistic to expect him to be fully up to speed and we'll probably see him some, somewhere closer to his full capability next year. Last thing for you, we got the League's Cup roster earlier in the week. Did anything jump out at you? Not particularly. I think we will. I mean, it was a little surprising Joachim Nielsen is not on there. Uh, the, this big-name center back from Sweden who, of course, still hasn't played for City uh, since he was acquired last summer 
due to uh, a knee issue that they thought was not going to require surgery in the end did after rehab. He's still working his way back from that. A little bit concerning that, that this means they don't foresee him getting any minutes in the League's Cup. At the same time, I assume with how long he's been out, he, you know, he'll have gone well over a year without playing in a competitive game by the time he gets on the field. I expected him all along to probably make his return playing a game or two or three with St. Louis City 2, the, the development team, just to try to get his legs under him a little bit. So I still think that's most likely, and not being on the League's Cup roster doesn't necessarily take away his ability to do that. Um, hopefully, I think it's important that he is 100% fit by the end of the season going into the playoffs. And the fact that he's not on the League's Cup roster is, I wouldn't say a red flag, but a yellow flag in regard to his ability to do that. Uh, but other than that, you know, we'll, I, I assume that they are going to take this, the League's Cup, a little bit less seriously than they thought they would coming into the season just because of how well they're doing in MLS. It doesn't make a lot of sense to pour the minutes onto players' legs in a competition like the League's Cup, whereas if they were struggling in the league like a lot of people expected, I think they would have gone much harder after these shorter tournaments where it's easier for a team to string together a couple of upsets and make some noise. He's Nate Gatter. You hear him hosting the St. Louis City Soccer Report this weekend. He's on uh, studio duty on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Nate, thanks uh, as always for your time. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk soon. We appreciate you, sir. All right. There's Nate Gatter joining us. I appreciate him a lot. Good guy all the way around. Friend of the program, Nate Gatter, joining us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. We'll take a break. Another friend of the program, former host of the program, Kevin Wheeler. He joins us in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on a Friday night right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.